Hello and welcome to the Martial Arts Teaching Tactics Podcast. I'm Chris Bean, and I'm joined by Chris Kent. Hello, Mr. Kent. Hello, sir. Today, we're going to be discussing private lessons. And private lessons are one-on-one lessons. One-on-one lessons that your students can sign up for if they are behind on material, if they miss a class, if they need some extra help. Those private lessons, those one-on-one sessions, lessons, are there to help get them caught up and um, on track and where they need to be at as far as their material goes. And having a system or protocol in place for you, you and your team to follow will greatly benefit both your team and your students as you are going through your private lessons. For us, private lessons are 15 minutes long. We do allow the students to sign up for a max of 30 minutes. I say max because that is, that is the limit. After 30 minutes, you can imagine doing 30 minutes one-on-one, going over just the fine little details that you need or making up you know, a 45-minute class and you do it one-on-one in 30 minutes, you're more than, more than covered for. Not to mention, for the younger students, 30 minutes is a lot of time to try to keep their focus and, and not really more or less fry their brain and overwhelm them with information because it's just you, the instructor, and the student for 30 minutes. So 30 minutes is a max, and, and we try to even persuade to do 15 minutes you know, this week and then another 15 minutes the following week because we feel that that is a far better experience. You will benefit more from 15 minutes this week and then another 15 minutes the following week as opposed to doing half an hour at one time. Again, your school, the information you have, the students you have may be different, but that's our protocol. That's what we do. Not to mention it opens you up to do even more lessons with more people. So instead of spending half an hour with one person, you can spend 15 minutes with two people and then multiply that by however many lessons you have for the night. For private lessons, we encourage any time a student misses a class to make that class up. How do they make that class up? in a private lesson, in a one-on-one session. The nice thing about that is the material that was covered in the class, we are able to give to that student at a relatively rapid rate in the course of that private lesson. Again, 15 minutes if they miss a class, sometimes even 15 minutes if they miss a whole week, depending on the student and depending on the material and even depending on the point of the grading cycle that we're in. If we're early on in the grading cycle, lots of information is being taught. Okay, maybe you need a half an hour. Maybe you need to divide that up into two weeks of 15 minutes. If it's towards the, the middle or the end of the grading cycle where we're, all the information has been taught and we're just drilling that informa- information, making sure you got it, and we're going over the maintenance phase, then 15 minutes to cover two, two classes or a week of classes should be no problem. Again, depending on the information, depending on the students, that all perhaps would vary for your school. Again, that's, that's what we do. That's our protocols. Now, if you don't have a situation set up for your students to, to come, on, come in and have that one-on-one time, allowing that or setting up that um, can perhaps feel like a daunting task, right? Okay, what do you have to do? How do you, how do you rearrange your schedule for that to happen? Well, for us, what we do is we have classes that we teach on Monday and Wednesday. We have classes that we teach on Tuesday and Thursday. And then Friday is 
available for makeup lessons. We have private lessons available on Fridays. And we have those blocked out in 15-minute time slots. If we have, you know, let's say we have five instructors available to do lessons. So on each of those 15-minute time blocks, we have five lessons that can happen at the same time. And then we start those, what do we start? Sometimes four o'clock, sometimes five o'clock, depending on what else is going on. And then we end at about seven, seven thirty or so, depending on, you know, if we need extra lessons, if it's near the end of the quarter, sometimes we, you know, we pack in extra lessons. Um, if we are coming back off after like a Christmas break or, or spring break, something like that, then sometimes we'll, we'll build in some extra lessons there as well. But Fridays is, is set aside for lesson days for makeup lessons. And I believe that having that in your schedule preset already done is a great way to handle that. On top of that, for the a number of years, we had the students would have to come to us or call us on the phone or stop by the front office and say, hey, listen, I need a private lesson. What do you have available? Okay, listen, I have this time slot available. Okay, great. Does that work for you? And it was a whole back and forth. And maybe, you know, it was a situation or, or a, a interaction that could have lasted about five minutes. But oftentimes we would find that the student would give us, you know, the entire backstory of why they weren't here and the cool things they did while they were gone. They were on vacation or, or they were sick or whatever it was. And instead of that being a, you know, a relatively quick five minute interaction, it was more like a 10 or 15 minute interaction. And so, you know, then if we had multiple people trying to set up a lesson after class, we would have a line going out the office. So that could do, that was a, a tough situation, right? So in order to manage that a little bit better, we have allowed our students to sign up for a private lesson on the app. We have an app where we're with um, Spark. I guess it's just called Spark and a Spark membership. Yes, sir. Yeah. And with that, we have uh, an app and in that whole system, if you're not, if you're not, if you don't have some sort of client based system, um, look into spark, it can do a, a huge number of things, very beneficial. Um, but anyways, for us, we have spark and spark allows our clients to be able to sign up for a, a, an appointment. And we, in our end, we call that a private lesson for that specific appointment. And we have availability. They can go in there. They can put their time slots in. They can see what's available. We even have a section in there that they can put what information they would like to work on. Do they miss a class? Do they need some extra help on this? Are they going to be missing a class? Like, is it going to happen in the future? Then that's all extra information that we can have so that when that Friday happens, we know when that lesson starts, okay, listen, John, you're going to be missing, you know, next week on Thursday. Okay, so I can look at my lesson plan on Thursday next week. We're going to do this information. Great. Here we go. And we know based off of that what we need to do. And the, the excellent thing about that is that frees up office time to be uh, allocated to other things. Uh, it also frees up the time of, of the the clients, the students standing in line waiting to set up that lesson. It's on their terms. They can do it. They can see what's available. They can put themselves in there. And again, with Spark, the, one of the brilliant things it does is it will give them an email immediately when they set up that lesson. It gives them a text message uh, the day before. It gives them a, a reminder the day of. So 
hopefully you don't, you're not having a lot of people make those lessons and then miss those lessons or forget that they have them because they're being notified on multiple different ways and avenues of approach so they can make, they can show up to those private lessons that they've made for themselves. Now, private lessons, you can choose, right? You have the power as, as the owner to choose whether you charge extra for private lessons for ages, ages ago, we would charge, I think it was $10 a lesson. So we would have a 15 minute lesson. They pay $10 as they signed up or as they showed up to their lesson, we would do their lesson. It was a $10 fee, right? Because that was extra time that we were taking to spend with the students. Now, and what we've done for, I would say, eight or, or, or more years, now what we've done is we've built that into the cost of our program. And both have benefits, right? There's benefits to, to having the students pay for them. That makes it seem, and, and, and it is, they're paying for extra time, right? So they pay, they give you money physically for that specific thing, and then they go do that, right? That will bring that private lesson as to something that, you know, ah, okay, maybe you don't have to show up to it, or ah, we missed it. Okay, no big. They paid for it. They're going to be more apt to show up to those lessons and be ready to go when those lessons start, and perhaps even be more willing to work hard in those lessons because they pay for them. Like it's, it's $10 that came out of their pocket today to do that lesson. Now, on the flip side of that, what we do, like I said, is we have that built into our program. So our program uh, our, our weekly tuition, that's already factored in. And so as we are letting our cl future clients, our, our potential clients know, hey, listen, this is the price of our program. It includes one-on-one -on -one lesson time. It includes all of these things that it includes builds up your program. And not that it isn't, but it makes it seem more valuable as you are persuading that future or potential future client to to join your program, right? The more benefit that your program can have, the easier that sell will be, right? And that's an extra benefit that you can give to your clients, having a one-on-one -on -one lesson time and not just a one-on-one -on -one lesson time that, you know, sometimes happens or happens every month, but it's weekly, right? It's weekly and you can sign up for it when and if you need those times, they're there for you, the students. If you're, if you're going vacation, if you're sick, something happens, you can't make it into class, or you just want some extra time to work on your information. There's a test coming up, and you want to make sure you're prepared for it. Come in for a private lesson. We'll, we'll work with you. That's what that time is there for. And I don't think we've had a time, or at least not very many weeks, uh, that we haven't had nearly a full, if not a full, list or, or, or scheduled out lessons. Sometimes, you know, as it gets near the the end of the, the grading cycle, we're, we're, you know, okay, listen, we're full this, it's Monday, and I'm already full this week, so I can put you in for next week. I still got a couple openings there, but I'm full this week already. And as our clients go through our program, they understand how that works. They are able to, okay, listen, last time I tried to sign up for a private lesson on the week of, they were full. So I know that we're going to be gone on this day. Let's set a private lesson up ahead of time. That way it's all set and ready. That, again, is an extra benefit that they can have. They're not sidelined if they can't make it in they know that information because they were if you know they missed the class they show up to the next class like oh man you guys learned all these moves last time and i missed it okay well i'm sorry johnny you, you were, we're gonna have to kind of you know i gotta work with all these people that were actually here and i, I you know i'll have this other person they can kind of catch you up a little bit but you're still going to be behind because you missed the whole day right 
so that doesn't happen frequently on the floor, you have those private lesson times to help to allocate those moves that you taught in class on the days that they weren't there to those students that missed it. So that everybody is on the same page. Everybody's caught up. Nobody's behind. And on top of that, if you have students in class that perhaps are struggling with the move, you can say, hey, Jackson, you know, I, I think you would benefit from a private lesson over your hand technique. So make sure you talk to mom or, or, or dad or whoever and, and see if we can get that set up for you, okay? And maybe you go as far as you give that person a, a, a practice card slip, right? Say, Jackson, private lesson, hand techniques. Give that to Jackson, and then he gives that to mom or dad or whoever, and then that gives them an extra incentive or an extra reminder to set up that private lesson so that he is on par where he needs to be at. Now, while you're running a private lesson, pretty well the first thing you need to know is what does the student need to know? What are, what are they behind on? What do, what do we need to do in this lesson so that they are caught up or so that they are where they need to be at with their material? Are they, are, are they trying to do a lesson for the future classes? Are they behind classes? Do they just need extra work? That's the first thing you need to know. And if you have a system in place that they can note that in to the, le to the appointment as they're making it, or they're letting the office personnel know as they're making it, hey, they need work on this, or they got the practice card number seven. Okay, I can go look at my practice card sheet. Okay, number seven, it was for Jackson. Oh, okay, he needs hand techniques. That is ideal, right? Ideally, they tell you ahead of time what you need to work on, what they need to work on. We don't live in a perfect world. That doesn't always happen. Or, because sometimes this happens, you have somebody make a private lesson and they say, listen, I really want to work on my roles. And roles, it was like a forward roll and backwards roll. Um, they want to do those because they're really good at them and they're fun to do. Okay, cool. Yep, let's do your roll a couple of times. Great. Okay, it looks like you're, you're, you're more than adequate with that. Awesome. Give me five. Good job. Now let's work on this, right? And perhaps you know that student. You know what they need to work on. Maybe you are the person ideally that is in charge of their group, their, their belt cycle, their belt rank, and you're the head of their team. And so you know, okay, listen, Jackson needs to work on his hand techniques. He told me his role, we'll do those once or twice. Okay. Yep. You're, you're great on those. Now let's do your hand techniques because I, I think you actually need to work on those. That that's one way to go about that. But again, we don't live in a perfect world. That isn't always the case. So what you can do is have your have the student think first of all you have to kind of strategically think okay this person's a green belt okay at green belt the probably the hardest thing for them to do is their form their pattern their kata whatever you want to call it that is the hardest thing so they don't know what they need to work on mom made a private lesson she she's not available or or, or she's in the car or whatever okay listen let's start with your form let's see how that looks then they do the form Mistakes and all, you let them go through, you don't stop them, you're just taking mental notes as they go. Then, what that does for you as they do that, okay, there's, you know, there, let's say there's 15 mistakes in that form that they did, that pattern. You're taking mental notes of the whole thing. Okay, now, out of that, that is your workload for that lesson time. If you have 15 minutes to spend with them, you need to accomplish those things or at least the biggest things out of those things in that time frame that you have with them, right? So collectively, watch them, or not collectively, I guess, what's the, what's the word? 
There we go. Watch them do their form in totality, recognizing, making mental notes of the mistakes that happen along the way. Then think of that as a pyramid, right? You want to start with the foundation. What's the biggest thing you can do? What's going to have the most overlap, the most impact on them? And then you work up to the finest little detail that's at the top of the pyramid. And in that 15-minute lesson, if you only get the very ground base level done, then hopefully that has the most overlap over the other things, most carryover to not just that one specific form that they're doing, but to other things as well, and you got those things done. Then you say, hey, listen, bud, you, you could benefit from another lesson. Why don't we go see if we can get another lesson for you or you know, we'll make one next week or, or whatever it is let them know that they have an extra step. They need to do some homework and, and be ready for that next time. If you watch them do it, okay, there's only three things for them to do. Great. Again, start with the base of the pyramid, get the biggest thing, the most overlap, and then work up to the smallest detail. Then once that's checked off, then you move on to the next thing. Now, to backtrack just a smidge, if you have that person that has 15 things wrong, again, you don't want to say, okay, this was wrong, this was wrong, this, you had, dude, there was 15, do you even know what you're, don't do that, right? Don't do that. Don't list off everything. Just, again, strategically work up that pyramid. So you're starting with the base. Okay, you give them one or two things. Awesome. Okay, now let's practice this. Give them opportunity to do it a handful of times. Okay, great. Looks like you're catching on to those. Those things are fixed. Now let's try to implement this change. Give them time and then so on. You you work up that, that pyramid in, in small little steps along the way. Don't just dump everything on them all at one time. They'll be overloaded. That's, that's absolutely not the wrong, not the right thing to do. Um, if you need help on that, you can look back at our episode on correction. We go into a little bit more detail about how our tactics about going through and, and correcting our students. And the, the opposite of that is also true where maybe you watch them do a private lesson. And as you mentioned earlier, they do the one thing they know really good. Well, just because they came in for that one thing and they're good at it, don't spend two minutes of a 15-minute private lesson and then say, okay, yeah, you're good. Great. Go home. Because you're shortcutting that that client. You're shortcutting the student when there's plenty of other things you can work on. And even if everything looks good, let's say you know, they, they work through everything they need to know and it looks adequate and, in fact, it even looks good. Uh, and now you're seven minutes into the 15-minute private lesson. Again, you can't call it quits there because you're shortcutting them the rest of the private lesson. So that's where it comes. That's why it becomes important for you to have tools and things in your uh, at the ready to implement or even just work with new ideas to to um, disguise the repetition of doing those moves they're already good at and then not shortcutting them that lesson. You know, it's a 15 minute private lesson, so it needs to be 15 minutes long. And, and my favorite way of describing that is I'd go to McDonald's and I order a small fry. On average, there's maybe 20 small fries or 20, 20 uh, uh, French fries and a small fry. But, you know, they hand me a bag full of three French fries and they say, oh, well, you didn't look that hungry. So I'm just going to give you a little bit of French fries. No, I paid for the whole small French fry. So make sure that, you know, when you're doing those private lessons, you don't cut them short. The only exception to that, I think, is younger ages, three and four, or even some five and six year olds. It, it can be hard to even that 15 minute one on one setting can be very intense. So you know, maybe more with the three and four-year-olds might lean more toward 10 or 12 minutes, which is still a significant amount of time to do a one-on-one -on -one lesson and get the information done. But again, uh, long story short, sometimes you'll have a lot of stuff to work on and you might not get to all of it. Or sometimes you have very little to work on and you have to kind of stretch it out for 
a length of time, but being able to deal with both those situations is going to really um, improve you as an instructor and then also make sure that that student is getting the quality practice and attention that they came to that lesson for. Yeah, and, and you know, that's a great point. I have definitely, certainly on occasions, and frequently even, in a private lesson time, tried something new, right? Because if I try this cool new thing that I had thought about that perhaps will be, it will work, I try this sometimes in a one-on-one type situation. Then if it works from there, I can try it with a bigger class. If it doesn't work, okay, fine, no big, it's just one, one person. We can, you know, it, it, either it works or it doesn't work. We can, we can cut it short or move on to the next thing. But sometimes in those one-on-one lessons, that could be an opportunity for you to try new drills and tactics and tools because it's on a one-on-one thing. And you can even say, hey, listen, John, you know, I, we're going to try something new. I haven't done this yet before. You, you know, is, is all right if we try something? Yeah, sure, we'll try something new. Okay, great. Uh, you know what? That, sorry, John, that didn't work. Oh, okay, no worries. Let's try it. Let's go back to doing what we're doing. That could be your your avenue of approach for trying out new things on a on a much smaller scale because it's you with the student. You don't have to account for all the other the team members that you have. You don't have to account for all the other belt groups and all the other cla- the the students that are in class. It's you, the instructor, and that student trying something new. If it works, great. Then use it on a bigger scale. If it doesn't, okay, fine. Maybe try it again on a, on a bigger scale. Maybe it just didn't work with that student or didn't work in that situation. But at least then you would have an idea of, okay, this didn't work last time and, and maybe it didn't work because of this and all those different things. We, we kind of discussed a little bit last time, but private lessons certainly are a time to give it a go. Try something new. If it works, great. If it doesn't, okay, fine. Move on. Not only that, is it a good time for experimentation and and. Uh, I hate to say playing around, but you can kind of workshop some ideas there too, but it's the perfect setting to develop your relationship with that student, whether or not you already have a good relationship or maybe your relationship isn't as strong as you want it to be. That one-on-one time is, is, is great to, you know, throw in some personal questions or really make sure you're connecting with that person and, and, and growing that relationship, which is going to make you more effective at teaching and communicating with them, but also, help to instill more value in your program because the client and the student will see that, you know, you're not just here to uh, make sure they know their moves. You're not just here to get your paycheck for teaching them how to do a punch. You actually genuinely care about them and the people that they are in their lives and the people they're going to become. Um, so that one-on-one setting is, is great for a whole bunch of stuff. And, and again, working on and developing your relationship is, is definitely toward the top of that list, I think. Yeah, you know, and, and on that note, if you're going to have your team lead private lessons, which I suggest that you do, because of, uh, obviously if it's just you doing those one-on-one lessons, you can only do one at a time. If you have four or five people on your team, you could do four or five lessons at a time, right? So obviously that's, that's the clear choice. Let your team do the lessons. Of course, let them know how to do it. Let Make sure they're prepared to do it. Make sure you don't give them somebody... Um, don't have them work with somebody they don't know the information for or, or whatever, but let your team have that. That is a great time for them to, again, be able to think on the spot, come up with sometimes creative drills and tactics and tools to use in that lesson. But like you said, it also is a, a great opportunity to develop that one-on-one personable uh, relationship with the student and instructor. 
right? That's a great time for that to happen. So as you're having your team do those lessons, either the owner, the head instructor, one of those, ideally really one of those people needs to be the person who is assigning the team members to the students, right? Because if you have the students pick their quote-unquote favorite instructor, either everybody's going to pick Mr. John because, or, or, you know, whatever his name is, because he's the, he's the funnest one or, or he's, the, he's the most serious one or whatever. They like him the best. Everybody's going to go to him. And then once his spots are all full, oh, man, I guess I got to use this person even though I don't like them. Right. Don't just take that out of it. Right. Because otherwise people are going to get upset because they can't have X or Y. Listen, if, if from time to time we've had clients ask, OK, hey, who's who's going to who's going to lead their lesson? One of our highly skilled instructors. That's that's the that's the ca- kind of canned answer that we give them, because at that time that they sign up for the lesson, it hasn't been assigned yet. We I honestly can't tell them who it's going to be. And they said, well, I really want them. Okay, well, I can't guarantee that's going to happen. But you will have one of our highly skilled instructors to lead you through your private lesson. Because then they know that that's not an option. That's not something they can pick and choose. They get who they get. And hopefully it's somebody that they know and they can work with. And if it isn't, then that's, a, that's an instructional issue or a, a team issue that you need to handle some other way. Don't allow, I would highly recommend against allowing your clients choose who they get for their lesson. Now, as the the owner, the head instructor, the person in charge, the manager, whoever it is that is assigning the instructors for 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 the students, a couple things you have to be mindful of. Number one, can that team member teach this student, right? If I have a student who's a second degree black belt, but I have somebody that's a team member who's a first degree black belt, they can't lead the lesson because they don't know that information. They're a lower belt. Can't happen. On on the flip side, if I have somebody who is normally only here as an extra overflow person and they're here only to help with the white belts, but again, I have them with a black belt, you know, with a black belt student. That would be an okay situation if, if I preframe that team member and say, "Hey, listen, you're going to be with this person. They're a black belt. Don't panic. It's okay. We're going to go over the information. You've done it before. I know you know it. Just let's let's refresh on it to make sure. You're, oh, okay. Yep, got it. Then you then that would be fine. But as the person that's in charge of assigning those lessons, be mindful of that. Now. Again, in a perfect world, if I normally work with green belts and I have a green belt who has a lesson, uh, you know, connect the dots, put that person with them, right? If you can have their quote unquote normal instructor lead their lesson, awesome, great, because that person's going to know exactly where they are, what they need, what they missed, all the ins and outs, uh, all the ins and outs of that student because they work with them on, on, a, on a weekly or daily basis. Now, if that can't happen, which probably will be the case, because again, we don't live in a perfect world, allow an opportunity for the team members to interact with each other and say, hey, listen, I see you have Jackson. Jackson needs help on his hand techniques. Oh, okay, great. Thanks for letting me know. I don't normally work with him. Oh, okay, I see you have Mark. Mark needs help with, with his foot techniques. 
Okay, great, thanks. I don't normally work with Mark. Then that will let them know. Now, this is all, again, based on potential of not having those notes. If they can put in there those notes, those things that they need, excellent. That, that hmm, I don't know, maybe wouldn't take that step out of the, of the team members talking and, and informing each other on their, on their students, but would at, le at the very least cut that down. It, if they had a question, hey, listen, I have Mark for a lesson. He didn't put in there what he needs. I don't normally work with him. You work with him. What, what does he need? Oh, foot techniques. Okay, got it. That would be a, a perhaps, maybe, sometimes that would happen. But if they can put in the notes or the um, somehow notate the information that they need or want to work on, then that far and away is, is the best way, the, the better way to go about that. Of course. And, and to backtrack a little bit, we talked about you know, you get into that private lesson and you're there with, with, with Mark and Mark is, is in the lesson. You say, okay, Mark, what do you want to work on? Mark says, oh, well, I want to do this. Okay, great. That's one way you can find out what the private lesson is for is by asking them once they get there. Uh, another great way is you have uh, Stephen. Stephen comes up to make a private lesson and they do it in person at your desk. You straight up ask them right then when they're signing up, okay, what is it you want to work on? Because then they pretty much will have a fresh uh, look or idea of what they want to work on. They can tell you right then. And let's say it is a week away, you know, uh, maybe in that week they forget what exactly they're supposed to work on. So finding out right from the get-go what they need to work on is, is probably the best way to notate that or put that into the notes. And then alternatively, you have uh, Jake signing up online for his private lesson. Uh, give him an option to make a note uh, because we can't force them uh, well, depending on your system, you might be able to force them to make a note. But then even if they sign up online, they have the option to say, hey, I'm doing this form or whatever it is. And even on top of that, you know, in any of those three scenarios, someone might say, oh, well, I missed this day. Well, good thing you have a lesson plan and a class schedule and you have a curriculum. So you can go back and say, OK, you missed, you know, the second Tuesday. Second Tuesday was this date on this date. It was class number seven. So you go to your lesson plan, class number seven, we did this, this, this. Boom. There's your outline for your um, private lesson. So there's many ways you can you can and find that stuff out, but also notate that stuff um, just to make it easier for you because you don't want to get the private lesson. And then very often the time the kid shows up and you say, okay, what do you want to work on today? And they look at their parents and give their parents a puzzled look and the parents say, oh, well, they missed this day. Well, sorry, parents, but most of the time you don't know what the kid needs to work on and they don't know either. Um, so being able to kind of work around that in many different ways is going to be helpful for you moving into those private lessons. And I also wanted to touch on what you talked about. As important as it is to make sure that your instructors are suited for the private lesson they're teaching, us as instructors, as the teachers, we need to make sure we know our stuff. And we say this all the time as, as an instructor, your students are only going to perform as well as you do. And you're not going to be able to teach them if you don't know what you're doing. So it's, it's imperative, especially for these lessons to know, know your material, know what's going on. And especially because there are chances where you're not going to be paired up with someone that you normally work with. So for the whole quarter, I'm working with green belts. Well, the green belt curriculum is only up to a certain point. Well, let's say I get to a private lesson on Friday and now I have a, a red belt with a white stripe. Well, 
that's a whole different set of techniques. And if I don't know what they need to know, I can't effectively teach that private lesson. So don't always just focus on the groups that you're with during that quarter. Make sure you know everything you're supposed to know because you're going to be put in the situations where you're going to have to teach that person or, you know, teach a black belt or teach, you know, these different levels. You got to know your material, not just the one, the things you're normally doing, but you got to know everything. You got to know it well enough to be able to assist that person or teach that person in the private lesson. And if you don't, that's says when you take a look at the list before the night starts and say, oh, look, I have a secondary black belt at 530. Well, I better go watch a video or ask another instructor um, to make sure I'm doing this correctly. So when it comes time for the lesson, number one, I don't look foolish because I don't know what I'm doing. But number two, I'm not teaching that person wrong and I'm, I'm prepared for that lesson when it comes time for it. So I, I, you know, I say it probably too many times, but we just, we got to know what we're doing. We got to be good at it and we got to, we got to be on top of our, our material. And on the same page. So everybody's doing the same information. It's, it is, not a great feeling as an instructor being on the floor listening to my fellow instructor teach a move what I think is incorrectly, right? I, I, I'm leading a lesson. I'm leading my lesson uh, with my student, and they're leading a lesson with their student, and I can hear them. They're doing it wrong or what I know it to be wrong, what I think it to be wrong. Then at the end of the lesson, I say, hey, listen, man, did, what happened? You didn't do that right. Yeah, I did. And then, and then there's a, you know, then you have to have a little bit of back and forth and find out, go to whoever, or watch the video or go to the book or wherever your source material, for lack of a better word, is and find out who is correct and who isn't and then figure that out. And then you have to go to that student, perhaps who was teaching it wrong or, or who had uh, been taught it wrong and then correct that so that they're not doing it incorrectly and they don't fail a, a, a belt grading or, or whatever it is uh, moving forward. So making sure that you're on the same page as you, uh, you know, as a team is a big part of, of doing this. And, and again, sometimes, like he said, sometimes the private lessons will shine the light on where your team needs a little bit of extra help at because they have to do it on their own, kind of on the spot as they go through the lesson. Maybe you have, what, eight or more lessons in a night, right? And so you have eight, I have, I'm, I'm interacting with eight different students, potentially eight different belt levels and, and ages and, and all the way across the board, and I'm doing them in a rapid succession, 15 minutes, 15 minutes, 15 minutes. I gotta know my stuff in and out and be able to deliver that in a timely manner to that student who is there for that 15-minute window so they can pick up and learn something and grow in that 15-minute window. And hopefully I'm teaching that information correctly because if not, something needs to change. And it might be something that you have never taught before. It could be something you've done before but never taught before. And as we all know, teaching is way different than doing. So, you know, again, make sure all on the same page and make sure you know exactly what you're talking about as well too. And that brings up another topic too, that something we've started to implement recently is that you, Mr. Bean, as the head instructor, uh, do not schedule yourself for a private lesson so that you're able to oversee what's happening on the floor, deal with any issues that come up and kind of play that, you know, that, um, what's the right word? Uh, manager. 
manager. I was going to say watchtower, but manager is probably a more appropriate term. Yes, sir. Yeah. But you can kind of manage the floor and deal with things that are happening and keep your eye out for those inconsistencies. Keep your eye out for issues that arise and just make sure that everything is running smoothly. And one reason that works for us is because we have the staff to do it and we have um, the skilled trained instructors that are able to make that work. So I'm not saying that's something you have to do or something that you should do depending on what your setup is. But if you have the availability, the availability to do that, it can be beneficial for your school to have you making sure that everything's running the way you want it to. And then you can identify, okay, well, this person's teaching it this way and this person's teaching it this way and I would teach it this way. So, you know, maybe we need to have a meeting and kind of discuss how this is going to go and what's going to happen and make sure we're all doing things correctly, which you wouldn't be able to notice as much if you are on the floor also teaching a private lesson while everything else is going on. So I would, I would recommend that if it's possible as a head instructor to have that managerial um, time or that managerial space to kind of oversee everything and make sure everything's running the way you need it to, to go. And, you know, not just for those reasons, but from time to time we have uh, somebody that will come in for a lesson and they will, you know, be late or they'll be, you know, they, they thought their lesson was at 4.30, but actually their lesson is at 7.30 and they're here. Or for whatever happens, a, a team team member goes over in a lesson or they, they didn't see that person you know, their next person sitting down waiting. And so they kept going with the, the previous person because they needed a little bit of extra work and they, their next lesson wasn't here yet. You know, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll keep working with you until my next one shows up and they just miss that person. So having the availability to step in and, and on occasion fill that role or at least let, hey, listen, your lesson's here. What's going on? Oh, yeah, okay, I didn't know. Um, having that availability definitely is beneficial. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, on top of that as well, sometimes we can't make it. Sometimes we're sick. So you have four private lesson slots, you have four instructors, and then the head instructor. Well, instructor number two gets a flat tire on his way to work. Instructor number three has the flu and she can't make it in. Um, so in that in that time space, you don't have to rearrange your entire night of private lessons. You have that extra person on standby that's able to step in and take over that lesson. And continuing further with what you brought up just just a second ago, um, packing your less packing your night full of private lessons is probably the best way to get as many people in as possible and cover as many things as possible. But with that in mind, it needs to be a well oiled and well working machine because, like you said, if I have a fifteen minute private lesson that I spend seventeen minutes with, well two of those minutes is taking up someone else's private lesson, which is either going to reduce their private lesson or it's going to cause the whole night for me to be two minutes over time, which with with that in mind might compound. So the first one was two minutes over. If I go two minutes over with the next one, then I'm four minutes over and then another two minutes, six minutes, and the whole night's going to be thrown off. So um, we personally will set a timer. So we set a timer. Our private lessons are 15 minutes. We set a 13-minute timer. So you teach for 13 minutes. The last two minutes is time we take to recap with the student. Um, if they're an adult, we can just talk about what they're doing, and, and they're pretty much able to comprehend the, what we what went over and be able to practice. If they're uh, uh, younger, we'll tell the student what happened, and then we'll take them out of the classroom, go to the person that brought them, and then make sure that person also understands what's happening. Number one, so that that person knows that, okay, listen, we did this much work. This is what actually happened. Here's what they did. 
they might not understand what you're doing, but it's nice for them to hear that this is all the things that happened in that 15 minute private lesson. And then on top of that, you can let them know, Hey, either they need another private lesson or Hey, they're good to go. Or Hey, make sure they're practicing this thing at home. Again, they might not know what a low block is, but it's easy for them to say, Hey, James, go do your low block. And then the student can go and practice that. So that extra two minutes gives us a time to wrap everything up. We're able to go loop in the parents and, and whoever brought them or whoever that person is to let them know what's happening, what's going on, to help reinforce their practice at home. And then that extra two minutes that all that's happening is not going to put us behind. Because if you do that 15-minute private lesson and then you take that two minutes after the fact, your whole again, your whole night is ruined off. The timeline is, is not going to work out the same way it needs to work out. So have that also loaded and, and, and preset into your system so that that um, things stay punctual. And, and like Mr. Bean said, if you have an instructor who's not doing that, either it's too short or it's too long, you need to say something because again, it needs to be a well-oiled machine. And if one person is off, the whole thing is going to get thrown off. So um, make sure you're very strict and considerate of that because again, we want to give them the due diligence but also we want to make sure that everything is, is taken care of and then whole night runs smoothly. It's not derailed by a simple thing as, you know, an extra two minutes every lesson, which again, seems small, but it's going to add up over time. Yeah. That's like going to the doctor's office where you go to the doctor's office, you have a nine o'clock appointment. You get there at, you know, eight forty-five. well enough time. You get checked in, you sign your papers, whatever, and you sit in the waiting room for 10 minutes or more. Then the nurse calls you, you go back and you sit in, in a smaller waiting room for another 10 or half an hour or however long until the doctor actually, well, the nurse nurse comes in, you see the nurse for a few minutes. Then you wait again in that other, again, that smaller waiting room. And then you see the doctor for all of, I don't know, 30 seconds sometimes it feels like. Then they leave and you got to pay, pay the lady on your way out. And if you have a, an appointment later on in the day, sure enough, your appointment's set at this time, you're not going to see the doctor for at least an hour past that because patients go in, they have different, you know, they say they want this and then they show up to less to their, not to their lesson, to their appointment. That's, you know, they have a laundry list of things and that throws off their whole night. You know that you've, I'm sure at some point you've been to the doctor and that's happened to you. Don't let your students go through that experience, right? Set a time. This is the time your lesson starts. This is the time it's going to end. Fill that gap with the material and then let them go, right? Having that timer set, that is seemingly a small thing that did a huge amount of improvement for us, right? We, we didn't do that all the time. We wouldn't have that. Having that now, we start, boop, we start a lesson, right? Okay. Hey, John, let's go, man. The last lesson's done. I just talked to mom. Okay. Next one, we're going, right? Do the lesson. Boop. Okay. I got two minutes. All right. We're going to wrap up with him. Now we're going to go over and talk to, to mom or dad, or if it's an adult, you just let them know. Okay, great. You're out. Okay, great. Boom. Boop. You start the next one, right? You want to be right on time each time and having that visual and audio as, as, as a reminder to see, okay, listen, we have, we have two minutes less left in our lesson, but we got to get this done or, okay, listen, Hey, we have, you know, our, our time's up, right? The timer set, we got to go, we got to talk to mom and do our stuff. And, and I got to move on to the next lesson. You need to practice and you need to make another lesson, right? So make sure you talk to mom. I'll talk to mom too. We'll get that set up for you. Go get your stuff. All right, great. And then you talk to mom, do your stuff. Boom, go to the next one, right? Fill that 15-minute window with the material or perhaps 13-minute window with the material that your students need. Don't, don't go over, right? 
If they need extra time, have them set up an extra time next week, right? You owe it to the next person, the, the student that you have next, to make sure you in that lesson on time so you can start their lesson on time and fill their entire time with material. You also owe it to your students to not do a two-minute lesson. Okay, great, you're caught up, bye. Don't do that, right? Fill the information. Again, get creative. If, if, it's, if it's the first day of the, of the grading cycle and they missed, you know, two weeks ago, last quarter, and for whatever reason, this is our first opening and they just tested, they passed, they got their new belt, but they still made that lesson because they missed. Okay, great. Get them a head start. Review that stuff that they did already, right? Do something with them. Fill that time so that it's beneficial for them. That's what they're paying you for. That's what they came there for is to get information from you. So get deliver. Do that for them. On that note, this is our dive into private lessons. You may do private lessons differently. You may even just have Saturday where you do, okay, anybody who missed beginner's class, come to this time. Anybody who missed intermediate class, come to this time. Again, lots of different ways to get people caught up. Private lessons is what we use, right? And so these are the tips and tools and tactics that we use, the, the, the protocols that we use and follow for our lessons. Hopefully you gain some benefit from, from listening to us. As always, you can reach out to us. We're on all the social platforms, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Reddit. I'm missing one. YouTube, yep, YouTube, all of those. You can find us at MA Teaching Tactics, MA for Martial Arts Teaching Tactics, and anywhere where you're listening to on podcast, you are already listening to us perhaps on podcast, then continue listening to us on podcast. Uh, if you feel so apt, you can give us a review. Uh, you know, the stars would be beneficial. You can give us a thumbs up on, on, on Facebook. You can uh, give us a comment, you know, hey, I like this, I don't like this, whatever. Reach out. Let us know. What, what can we do better? What, what episodes would you like to see in the future? And if you made it this far in the video, I want to know your favorite color. So find us on, on, on some form of social media. If you made it this far in the episode, let us know your favorite color. Until next time, I'm Chris Bean. And I'm Chris Kent.